In church, it's good to come this morning and just bring the word of God to you. It's been a challenging time uh, over the past few weeks and past few months. And so it's really important that we come together and just have a look at the word of God and find our, our strength in God, our center in God. And just a few weeks ago, John spoke to us, um, particularly around the issue of race and was just encouraging us. And I just wanted to kind of follow on from that and build on that and just continue that conversation. So John gave us a scripture, and it was from the book of Psalms 139, and it was verses 23 and 24 that said, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there is any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. And so this scripture was given to us as a bit of a challenge, and so I don't know how you've managed that challenge. I've been looking at this challenge myself. Um, I think there's a question at the moment about why do we need to look at this? Um, obviously, there's a load of things going on in the world. There's so much uh, difficulty in so many different areas of the world. I know myself how I've been connecting with uh, the churches in India and Pakistan and places like that and the difficulties they're struggling with as well. So, so why do we need to look at this? And I thought... We have to recognise that there's a part of the body of Christ, there's a part of our society that is crying out and saying, everything is not okay with me. Now, this doesn't represent every black person um, or, pers or minority or anything like that, but there are people who are saying, not everything is okay with me at this moment. And when people speak out, we as the church do need to listen and see uh, what our response is, how we can respond to people, what they're saying, and how we can love one another. And so I just want to continue on that, that path. As I was saying, I've been wrestling uh, with this myself. And uh, if you know anything about me, I'm somebody who likes to think through things thoroughly. I like to look through, I like to dig deep, I like to understand. Um, and so speaking today wasn't something easy for me because um, in all honesty, this is not something I understand fully. I don't think anyone does. Uh, but I just had something on my heart that I felt I wanted to communicate. And it's not fully thought through. Um, I don't have everything down. And my, my fear is that there's parts I've got wrong. There's parts that um, I might say wrong. All these kind of concerns. But at the same time, I think it's really important to engage, and so just to say, this is where um, I'm at, where God is speaking to me, and hopefully it will help shape and inform the discussion that we're having, and our way forward in that. Um, there's a quote that I wanted to read, and I've been reading a book, and it's called "We Need We Need to Talk About Race," and it's by Ben Lindsay. And so there's a quote I read in there. So let me just swap my. Uh, and it said here, it said. When it comes to young black men, they are still internalizing negative messages and they still don't see themselves necessarily as equal to white people. And when I hear something like that, it, it just troubles me. It, it breaks my heart because I wouldn't want anyone to um, feel that they are not equal, that, that particularly that the color of their skin in some way devalues them. And so, in this time when we talk about things like Black Lives Matter, 
it's, it's just on my heart and, and maybe it just needs to be said that if you are someone of colour, then you matter. And the colour of your skin does not change that. And, and there was actually a quote, so I can grab my bit of paper back. There was actually a quote that I wrote and I want to share it because I thought it encapsulates where my heart is and um, I didn't want to mess it up, so I wrote it down. I said, saying Black Lives Matter is not about subscribing to an organisation or a movement. It's about a person. It's about people I know and people I've never met. I want to be clear that the colour of your skin makes no difference to your worth. If you are black, your life matters and nothing should dissuade you from that truth. And I wanted to say that just from the outset because it's just so important that there's no, in my mind, there's no confusion over this fact that you matter. Every person matters. Um, and I wouldn't want anyone of, to feel that way just because of the color of their skin. And the challenge we have as a church, and I'm sure as a nation as well, is to think about how we communicate that, how we live that out. Um, because one of the things we have to realize is that what we have, um, every person has this, is a worldview. Now, a worldview is a setup or a system of beliefs that have been influenced over your life. So these have been influenced by your culture, the country you grow, grow up in, and all their cultures. It's influenced by your parents, your family structure. It's influenced by the media, your religion, all these kind of things, your schooling, your education. Everything, as you grow up, feeds into a worldview that you have, a way of seeing the world. Uh, and a lot of this, we don't even realize, it's just so subconscious uh, and we've just absorbed this over time. And so when we're asked, well, why do you feel that way? Often we don't even know, but it's just something that's been uh, bred into us over time. And so it's really important to realize that you have a worldview. But when we're thinking about this, we also have to realize that there are some other things in play. There are other things that influence us. And so I want to just read a few scriptures to you. And the first one I want to read is just in the book of Colossians, chapter 1, verse 20. Because when we're thinking about the world, we also have to realize that the world is corrupt. Um, that God had an intention for creation for human beings, that through sin this was corrupted. And so the world that we see is not the world that God designed and is not the world that God is going to um, bring about ultimately. And so in the book of Colossians, let me just get there. Colossians chapter 1, verse 20. Well, let's read 19. It says, For in him, that's in Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him, to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And so one thing we have to realize is that God is at work and the purposes of God are to reconcile all things unto himself. So that means that there's no division, there's no separation, but he wants to bring all things unto himself because that is very much about who God is. God is about um, oneness, unity. We read the idea of three in one. Let us make man in our image, God said. And so this idea of, of oneness and wholeness in God. And so that is God's ultimate plan. 
So let's go on from there though and realize that there is a plan of the enemy and that's the devil. And so we go to John chapter 10, verse 10. And it says, the, the thief, who is the, the devil, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And we have to realize this is the purpose of the devil, to come to steal, kill, and to destroy. And so he is coming into this world, and his aim, his goal, is to set up systems of division, systems and, and power structures of hate, things that are going to divide people, bring them down. Again, we have to realize that in all of these things, everything that is going on, everything we see on the news, etc., there's something else going on here. And, and again, this is a, a well-known uh, scripture in Ephesians chapter 6. And verse, on, verse 12, because what we have to realize is we, we basically we're kind of peeling back the curtain and having a look behind. And we're reminded of this verse. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And so what we have to realize, yes, there is a battle going on. There's a battle um, at the moment for racism, amongst other things. There's a battle of COVID. There's a battle. There's so many battles around in the world right now. But peel back the curtain, we realize there's another battle on a higher level that is influencing these things. Uh, and this is a wrestle not against flesh and blood, so it's not against people. You know, when we see people out protesting against writing left and right, black and white, all of these things, it's not about people. It's about realizing what is behind this. Because we have to realize that if we just aim at the flesh and blood, we never deal with the root of these issues. We never get underneath it and that change never happens. And that's why in the end God is saying he comes to deal with sin. Because unless sin is dealt with, the fruit of our sin will never be dealt with. And so we're realizing it's not flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, these spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And that is what is at play here. That is what is at work here. And we just need to be mindful of that. As the church, another thing we need to recognize, and I say we must recognize our call. Because, as I said, at the moment, there's a lot, I believe there's a lot of confusion. Um, there are some people who come out with very strong opinions and sound like they know exactly what they're doing. But I'd say for the vast majority of people, there's a lot of confusion. They don't quite know how to think. They don't quite know how to respond. And I believe that there's a call on us as a church, not just our church, but the church globally, to respond. Because the world is looking for answers. And those answers are in Jesus Christ. And so part of the call upon the church at the moment is to point people to Jesus. And that's really important because the call is not to point people to the church. The church is not the answer because the church is full of broken people who are, are learning to become like Christ. We are not Christ. And so ultimately our goal is to point people to Christ. Again, I want to read in the book of John chapter 13. And in John 13, verse 34 and 35. Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. 
you also are to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So we, we must pick out the key word there, love. Again and again and again, you must have love. And Jesus is saying, I came and I showed you love. And so as we think about things this morning, or whenever you're watching this, if we're thinking about these things, we need to think about what did Jesus show to us? What was his example, his revelation of what love meant, what love looked like? And then we learn that, and the call of the church, the call of humanity, is then to love others in the same way, and that is the mark of a disciple. And I believe that is what the call is uh, on the church. Now you might think that sounds good. In a sense, you might think this is nothing new to me, Daniel. Um, but we do have to recognise that there is a gap between this understanding of what we should do and the actual outworking of it. So even just yesterday, I was just thinking about this as I was preparing. I was thinking, the call of God in my life is to love others. And so I was driving around in the car thinking, you know, my goal is to love others in every situation. You know, particularly like when I'm driving other motorists and I'm like, yeah, I should love others. And then someone does something a bit stupid and then suddenly that, that love disappears out of my heart and it's kind of like, oh, come on, drive properly, learn how to drive. These are the things uh, that are welling up in my heart and sometimes even on my lips. Um, and so you just suddenly realise there's a gap in my between my understanding and my expression. I can understand that this is the case, but I don't always express this properly. And this is our problem. Um, we can all say, yeah, I understand racism is wrong. But then we don't always work that out in a right way. And so the question is, how can we do so? And so I want to speak into that this morning. And we're going to do that by looking at the book of Romans and chapter 12. Now, it's a very interesting set of uh, passages in Romans towards the end here. And you go to chapter 12, 13, uh, 14, 15. And so all of these are talking about the Christian life, how we should live. And again, and this is what I want to speak into, that the realisation that you can realise how you should live, but living it is a, is a whole different thing. Everyone can say, well, I know what's right, I know what's good, but actually doing it is another thing. Um, I was going to talk from three onwards, but then I kind of reflected on verse one and two. And verse one and two, again, very well known, but these are key and fundamental verses because if we don't get one and two right, we can't get the next three, four chapters right either. It's only if we get the verses one and two right that we then look at the other. So I'm going to go through one and two and then just go through some application um, in some of the remaining verses of chapter 12. So let me read Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Paul writes, I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what the will of God, what is good and perfect, uh, sorry, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So Paul is making this appeal, this cry. And again, you've got, hopefully you feel the sense of Paul's urgency in this. 
guys, we've got to get this right. We have to realize this is important. Otherwise, we're going to miss it. We're going to not fulfill the call of God in our lives. So he appeals to them, by the mercy of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice. And so what this means is not that we're going to go and uh, literally present ourselves in any place or in any way, but in a daily way that we live, we give ourselves to God as a sacrifice. And a sacrifice has to die. And that's the key here. I really want to emphasize this um, again and again. Because unless we die, we cannot live. Unless we die to ourselves, we cannot outwork the purposes of God. And the reality is too often we're trying to do the good thing without death to ourselves. And until we die to ourselves, we will always remain the priority in our life. And whilst we are the priority, everything else will just be in subjection to that. We will do the things that suit ourselves. Um, we will do sacrificial things. We will do loving things. But as long as they suit ourselves. And so we are the priority. And that only changes when we die. And that's to God first as well. Because we're not going to live for God unless we've died to ourselves. We're not going to live for his purposes. So actually this is a quote in the book I was reading. But it's from a guy called Dr. Clifton Clark. And he says... The social and racial reconciliation we seek and desperately need comes at a cost, crucifying the sinful self. So if we are aiming for an end to racism, if that's even possible, one day we'll be in Christ. But if we try and tackle these things, but without this as our foundation, the crucifying of the sinful self, we are never going to succeed. This is essential in part in our journey. So our first step is die to self. We have to do that. The, the next step describes the sacrifice as holy and acceptable to God, which is our spiritual worship. And the word holy, again, means set apart. It means that you are no longer yours, but your purpose is for God. You are special to God. And we have to realize that God and who we are in God is now our life. It is our identity. It is our nationality. Um, and that's not to diminish those things, but our call upon God, our call by God needs to be first and foremost in our lives. And so that when he speaks, when he uh, moves, we respond to him. And so just saying that you are holy, set apart for God. And so then into verse two, it says, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Just first things first there, we, we see two approaches, the world's approach and God's approach. The world's approach is conformity. So conformity means that you just um, go along with the crowd. You do what looks right. You just conform. And conformity is an outward expression. I just look the part, I play the part, and we conform to the expectations of the world. And, and what's driving that? Currently in our society, it is a mob rule. So, and, and this is talking across a range of issues that people just want to speak loudly. Whoever shouts the loudest and gets their, their point across, then everyone kind of feels shamed and guilty. And I must comply because you realize that if you don't comply with the mob, then you are going to be crucified. 
I was thinking about this in terms of, I was reading Daniel chapter 3, uh, and it talks about where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego um, don't bow down to the statue of the king. And because of that, they're thrown into the fiery furnace. And this, it just really spoke to me of the way the world works. You must conform to our expectation, otherwise you're going to be burnt. And you can see that um, time and time again when people say things. And that's why, actually, it's fear that's driving us. Because I fear saying something, because if I get it wrong, then what's going to happen? So we must realize this is the way of the world. The way of God, though, is transformity. And I know that's not even a word, but it fits well. So it's not conformity, it's transformity, transformation. And this is the way of God, because transformation is internal. It's not just saying, look the part, but God's saying, I can actually change your very heart and I can change who you are. And in this case, we're talking about being changed into his image, his likeness. And that is the call of God uh, for us. So it's not conformity, it's transformity. And, and how do we do this? He says, by the renewing of your mind. And that's the thing, when I'm talking about, we have this worldview, we have this mindset, a set of beliefs, and, and not even realizing who they are, which is why the first question that John shared with us is so important. Search my heart, reveal these things to me that I might be changed, ultimately is what we're saying. And, and Paul is saying here, or God is saying here, that we need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And this is done by the work of the Spirit, by the work of the Word. And we are transformed into the likeness of God. I, I want to put a challenge out there as well at the moment, because we can only be transformed by the thing that we give ourselves to, which again, where God's saying, uh, offer your life as a spiritual sacrifice, holy to him. We can only be transformed if we are immersing ourselves in his truth. Because so often at the moment, it's such a temptation just to be scrolling through um, social media, you know, flicking through the news, whatever it might be. And there are so many voices. And I know that I can hear one voice and I think, oh, that, that sounds really good. I can hear another voice and think, that sounds good. And, and I wonder how much that adds to my confusion. Because unless I'm... I'm working through those voices in the light of God's word, in the light of who God is and what God is saying, then we can hear something that sounds good, but we have to put it through his lens. And that has to come first. And so I want to encourage you, again, in scripture, it says things like, think on what is good, think upon what is true. And if what we're doing is just going through social media gossip, basically, then our mind is going to get distorted even further. We need to set our heart first and foremost to be in the word of God and spending time in God's presence that he will just minister that truth to us. And our mind is being washed and renewed in his truth rather than in the truth of this world. And realizing that his truth brings life. Where it said that the enemy comes to kill, steal and destroy. Jesus said, no, but I have come to give you life and life abundantly. And, and so when we come and understand who he is and what he wants, that brings life in our life. It says the truth will set you free. We want freedom in our hearts and in our lives. And so God is going to bring that. So he's doing this. And when we do this, we will understand what the will of God is. And so at this time as a church, as the people of God, we need to understand not the will of man, not the will of an organization, of a government, anything like that. It's not our call. Our call is to understand, discern the will of God and to be obedient to that. 
And we need, so we need to draw close to him to be renewed in our mind. So in the light of that, I want to just go on and talk about some of these key scriptures uh, in, the, in the rest of Romans 12. I'm only, I haven't got time. Always already 25 minutes in roughly. So I'm just going to just go over some key ones that I really think God has spoken to me. So first of all, verse three, it says, by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. I think this is so key because if we grasp this, if I get this, then prejudice is is solved because prejudice what it does is it sets itself up against another and this is because of sin you know in the garden of eden when adam and eve sinned they lost their relationship with god and what they lost was their acceptance their significance and their security and that came to god from god they they didn't need to seek for it they just had it because of god's perfect love for them and so when that was lost they they had to find that for themselves and when people do this the key way that they do it is by elevating themselves above other people because actually it's such brokenness that if I want to feel good about myself I put you down because then I feel good and I am elevated and so we see this throughout society again and again where people will put others down because it makes them feel superior and so Unless our security, our significance and our acceptance comes from God, then we're going to consistently look for this elsewhere. And there's going to be this destructive pattern of behaviour that will um, continue to perpetuate this prejudice towards others. And that will come across in, in many ways, in many forms. And so he's saying, don't think of yourself more highly than you all. And we see this in the life of Christ. We see it if you read in Philippians chapter two that he did not account it a quality to be with to be God, to be with God. But he came and made himself lowly, like a human being, even to the point of death, death on the cross. He came and he washed his disciples' feet. He took the place of the servant because he didn't have to elevate himself. It says after his resurrection, the Father elevated him. He didn't have to worry; that wasn't his call. But he could humble himself, and this is so key to humble ourselves before God and with others. Going on to verse 4, it says, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. And again and again in the scripture we see this picture of the body and diversity. And I think this is really key. Um, There's important, again, another uh, quote I want to read. And again, this is from Ben Lindsay. He says, there seems to be a fine line that the church should tread between understanding that we are one race, uh, quotes Genesis 1.26, where it says, God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And then elsewhere, he says, have we not all one father? Has not one God created us? That's Malachi 2.10. So we have to tread this line between race and appreciating, accepting and acknowledging our differences. Too much either way in our theology on race creates an imbalance in our identity as Christians. And so, and this is what I believe Paul is talking about here. Um, This kind of idea that we are one body. Yeah, brilliant. But that doesn't mean that we're all the same. We are many parts that make up that body. 
uh, and we need to celebrate that. You know, it says that way, you know, not everyone can be a nose, not everyone can be an ear, but actually we need to recognize and celebrate the different parts and the role they play. We have to celebrate our diversity. And I actually believe that unity can only come through diversity because I don't have to be unified with myself. I am one, I'm just one person. Um, and I don't work at unity. If I've got unity issues as a person, that's actually, to be honest, a mental health issue. Um, but where I've got diversity, so when I'm with other people who, you know, and we have this brilliant thing where we're like, we're one in Christ, and we sense that unity of the spirit amongst us. But when we have that, um, there is diversity and problems can come. And actually, by humbling ourselves before one another, by encouraging the other, lifting the other up, particularly it says lifting up kind of those, those weaker parts, maybe the parts that feel neglected, then, then actually that's unity. That's saying we are one and it's not about me, it's about you. Uh, and so there's a key in the body of Christ that as we prefer one another, as we elevate one another, encourage one another, that is true unity. And I believe this is what God is calling us to do as well. Not to look at the differences to set us apart, but to celebrate those differences and say, wow, this is brilliant how God has made us um, one, but with diversity. And I've gone around the world and I've seen many different things, um, different people. Um, and sometimes I'm like, well, this is outside my comfort zone, or this is not how I would do it. But I just love the expression of God of those people in their society, in their culture. Um, yeah. So I'm going to skip down to verse nine. And this is a key verse. It says, let love be genuine. And this goes back to the conformity and transformity challenge. Because if we're just trying to conform, if we're just trying to look the part, then that's, that's not going to last. Our goal ultimately is not diversity, because even as a church, we could come and we could say, well, let's put key people in positions. Let's make sure we get somebody of color on the stage. Um, and we're just ticking the box of diversity without the heart of diversity, with the heart of love being in our lives. And so we don't want tokenism. We don't want the political correctness to be our driving force. We need love to be our driving force. And so our love, what we're doing, how we respond needs to be genuine. And, and I always appreciate the fact that you think, I don't always have the love that I want, but realizing love is a choice and we can pray and God, ask God for the love we need. And say, so God help me love. So let your love be genuine and abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. And maybe one of the key sins of myself and, and maybe others as well is that we haven't abhorred, which means to hate, to be disgusted by evil. We can stand by and see evil um, rise up and persist. And we can just be like, oh, well, not a lot I can do about that. And sometimes there isn't anything we can do. But at least we need to be asking the question, God, what can I do in this situation? We need to maybe um, articulate. Now, personally, again, I'm a, an under-communicator. I can think something. I can think, oh, that's terrible, but I might not say it. And I think sometimes as well, even just saying it, acknowledging it is really important. And so we need to abhor what is evil and point out, call it out, do what we can to fight injustice. Um, 
And this is the heart of God. This is the act of love. In verse 10, it says, outdo one another in showing honour. And this is also key. So many key verses here. A a few years ago, I preached on the the subject of honour. So if you want to go into this a bit more, you can go back into the archives and find that. But the key about honour is that I treat you in a way that is about your intrinsic worth, not about what you do. So again, you can look at somebody and say, well, they don't deserve this. And honour is not about what you deserve. It's about who you are. And so, again, what we're saying is every person is created in the image of God. Every person is precious in his sight. When God said, I've come and I died for the world, that included every person. The person who maybe thinks they're pretty good, the person who's destitute, the person who is popular, the person who's unpopular. or Whatever it might be, we, we create all these divisions, all these uh, things. But honour is saying, no, we're, we're equal. And I will not look at the things that are different about us to divide us, but I will look at our our humanity, our commonality, in God particularly, and I will esteem you highly because of that. And that is honour. We must outdo one another in showing honour. And so I think, again, this is key. Outdoing one another is key because, again, it's kind of almost make a competition of it. How can I show such honour to you, particularly to people who maybe have not been honoured well? When we get down to verse 14, it begins to think about how do we deal with these differences. Um, it says, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. When I think about verse 15, 16, I really think there's a message here that we need to acknowledge that God is saying we need to empathise with one another. So again, where we get a brother or sister right now who's suffering, it's saying weep with them. So you, can't, you don't have the right to say, well, that's, you know, let, let, let them get on with it. It's to say weep with those who weep, rejoice with those who rejoice empathize come alongside and seek to understand seek to hear seek to listen and so often this is where again we fail we don't seek to come alongside and lend that support and it's not about doing necessarily it's just about being with living in harmony Um, again it says associate with the lowly so sometimes you might see someone you think oh i don't really want to get involved in that mess it's all a bit icky, it's all a bit, uh, um, they seem upset, I'll just go my own way. And we think about um, the parable of the Good Samaritan, where this Jew had been beaten up and left at the side of the road. And, and there were people who went by and they went, oh, I, I know I should help, but actually I'm, I'm going to walk along the other side. I, I've got some important things to be getting on with. And it was ironically the Samaritan who then came alongside the enemy, the kind of the one who should have nothing to do with him, came alongside and helped him find healing. And so God is saying to us, associate with those who who maybe naturally, or at least naturally in the world's eyes, you shouldn't associate with. Come alongside. And I think one of the key things I've been realising for myself in this is, I just need to spend time with people. Um, because, and that's not just a COVID uh, lockdown reaction, but so often our differences are perceived. 
our we, we have assumptions about other people. We think, oh, they're this way or they're that way because we don't really know them. Or maybe we met someone like them, or at least how we say is like them. And this is the problem with racism. We meet one person um, of a different race and we say, well, they were that way. Therefore, everyone in that race is like this. And that's just, that is racist. And so we can't be like that. We need to say, I'm going to get to know the person. I'm going to know who they are and not judge them because of something. And that can be, again, across the board, however your prejudice might be there. And, and we, we might see things very differently. I know that my prejudices, I don't believe, are on the line of race, but I do see them elsewhere. And I need to come alongside people, get to know them, know their heart, know their struggles, their pains, to, to weep with them and rejoice with them and walk with them and to understand where they're coming from. So the key here about association. And then he goes on to talk about, as I was reading in verse 17, um, not to repay evil for evil. And so the reality is that evil will come. But how do we respond to this? How do we um, respond to one another? And again, this is really important because, again, there's a very natural response of, I'm going to fight, I'm going to tit for tat, you did this to me, I'm going to do that to you. And God's saying, no. We need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. This is not God's way. He says in verse 19, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. So the renewed mind has to come in a situation and go, It is not my job to get this person back. I will leave that to God. My job is to love them. Because then he goes on to say, To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink, for in doing so you will heap burning coals on his head. And lastly, it says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil by doing good. And so we have to question at the end of this, what is our response? And our response is love. We can't just try and love. We have to allow God to change our hearts. We have to die to ourselves and give ourselves to God that we might bless others. I want you to just join me in prayer as we finish here. Um, it's a big journey we're on and the only way we can navigate this journey is if we make sure we are firmly founded in Christ if we start from any other place we're going to go off on left and right all over the place and so let's come and just set our hearts right before God that we might be with him God almighty I ask that you will come and reveal yourself to us today Lord I know that I don't love as I should. I know that there are things in my heart that need your redemption. They need your transformation. Help me to set my heart to be a living sacrifice to you every day, dying to myself and living for you, holy and set apart for you. Help me to renew my mind in the things that are good, the things that you have given Help me to be in your presence that I will be transformed by who you are. And then help me, Lord, I pray, to live this out, to love others well, to not show partiality, to not show preference, but to honour, to love, to care, to listen, to understand. May I decrease that you might increase and your purposes increase through me as well. And I encourage you, if you agree with that, to say Amen. Thank you very much, Church, and I appreciate 
your time. And if you want to feedback, if you want to discuss this further, um, I want to learn more as well. So do come and speak to me. God bless. I'm mm-hmm.